previous episode, Joe is back on with us today. But instead of talking about terror strikes, we will be introducing you to how to write a book and get it published because I'm pretty sure that a lot of you out there are having struggles when it comes to writing and actually getting a publisher or getting your books out there. But before we begin, please remember to check both our social media pages. Links will be in the description down below. Like, follow, subscribe, depending on whatever you're listening from on this podcast. And also check out our second podcast, which is Wicked Campfire Podcast. All links, once again, will be in the description down below. And also check out Joe's links. I'll link everything down below. Check out his books. Tell us what you think, by the way, about all his books. We like to hear from the feedback. But let's begin today's episode. And Okay. Yeah, before we get too deep, I want to say I'm glad we're still, it's still live. My last appearance didn't kill it. It isn't dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still moving on. It's still moving on. <laughs> And he'll be with us on the second podcast for like three other episodes this month. Every single Friday he'll be here with us. So when we are airing in Wicked Camper podcast, we'll be there. We'll be talking about UFOs. We'll be talking about paranormal stuff. We'll be talking about orbs. So if you like to see that side of Joe, you'll head on to the second podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And you'll get this new view of Joe. By the way, Joe, how are you? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. Are you ready like, for today? Like I, I think I said the last episode, I've been saying for decades, I have my character say in Terror Strikes coming soon to a city near you. Remember, mm-hmm. it could always be better, but it could often be worse. Mm-hmm. So today, today we are tackling something that a lot of people in the literature world find nerve-wracking. Writing books. <laughs> <laughs> Writing books and actually figuring out how to get them published, either physically or even in the e-world of today. So I don't know where we'll begin from. I think we should begin on how to write the book first before getting it published. Uh, yeah, let's not put the cart before the horse, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. does no, no good to talk about publishing if you've got nothing to publish. And uh, also, I, I want to throw out there, even for those, don't tune out. If you're not interested in writing and publishing a book, don't tune out. Mm-hmm. This is also, for you, a behind-the-scenes book. It's not a tell-all. I don't, you know, name a bunch of names <laughs> or anything <laughs> like that. But if you like reading, if you've ever thought, Gee, what does an author go through, you know, mm-hmm. and all that behind-the-scenes stuff, how to write a book and get it published, hints, tips, and techniques, is also for you to give you a peek behind, like, the Wizard of Oz curtain, right? Mm-hmm. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Well, this lets you rip the curtain and see eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, so we will begin with the writing process today. Joe, we are both authors. I'm a poetry author. You are a political thriller author. But uh, for me, I'm doubling into other genres as well. There'll be a book coming on. So I think we should begin with the writing process. Yeah. How how do they figure it out? Yeah, I have many copyrights. 
it's I only have two currently available international books. So yeah, I I've written sci-fi, I, I've written poetry, I've written music, written and recorded music, mm-hmm. uh, but you can't see any of that. <laughs> All <laughs> that was just published locally, right? Mm-hmm. These you can see. And yeah, I mean, I know there's a lot of authors out there. I, whatever your genre, I, I don't care. I tried to write how to write a book and get it published, hints, tips, and techniques to be generic enough to apply to any genre, fiction or nonfiction even, uh, but still give you some insight, uh, some hints and tips and techniques. Again, they have to talk somewhat generically because each person's situation is different. But mm-hmm. one thing is a certainty. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. There are just different ways and what may or may not work well for you. Right? Mm-hmm. But I like to say, I think it is the best hint, tip, or technique is uh, in, in my book. I'm grabbing my table of contents here. Mm-hmm. Chapter two, your story outline. All right. Mm-hmm. That's where you want to start. Don't put the cart before the horse. Uh, you know, you may have uh, this chapter or jap- this the, the other chapter in mind or, you know, your story outline is the best place to start. And I've had other authors, uh, when I've been doing interviews like this, mm-hmm. say, gee, I wish I would have read your book. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, your book would have been available 10 years ago. Because mm-hmm. they said, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense to have that structure. Your story outline is the first document you open. You put what your working title is. Your title may change 50,000 times by the time it's published. But what is your working title? Like for this book, write and publish. Short Mm -hmm. and sweet. All my file names then began write and publish. All right. Mm -hmm. So write and publish. And then what is this book about? Just a short synopsis. What, you know, obviously I'm writing a book to help others write and publish their book. And then (laughs) List out any chapters that you feel, you know, you've thought of up front that will go in your book. Any any notes uh, on the concept of your book go in here. Uh, You may think of an important piece of dialogue or, or a quote. Put that in your outline. So you don't forget it. Put all these things in your outline. And then your outline may change over the next month, year, two years, ten years, however long it takes to Mm -hmm. finish your book. Uh, But that's kind of the place to organize your thoughts so that you have a structure and you don't lose your place. Or you, when you're working on uh chapter one 
you don't lose the idea you have for chapter five. Like it, chapter mm-hmm. five might then become chapter three or chapter nine, whatever. Those can move around. But in your story outline, then you have those ideas and you can more easily move them around there so that then when it comes time to write those things, you haven't lost those concepts, those ideas, those thoughts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you're talking of it as an outline or a structure. For me, on my end, I normally like to call them skeleton versions. So when I have, like, a book idea, I have my draft, but in a second file, I have a skeleton version of it. So I have my ideal title. If I want to include a subtitle, I put it there. If I have locations, I key in my locations. And if the story wants to change, I'll have to put in points in there. As I'm writing, I go back to the skeleton version. I'm like, in chapter one, this happened, but I'm not quite sure if that will go on. And then I'm like, in chapter two, this happened, but I want it to go in this other direction. And then you'll find, even when it comes to my characters, I like the same way you put it in the movies, in order of appearance. That's how I put it <laughs> in my skeleton version. So yes. I don't lose track. Because I remember the first book I ever started writing, when I began knowing that I have my own creative process, I was like 15. And I wrote this book, and it was perfect to me. It was my first draft. I had 20 chapters in, and then I had somebody review it, and then they're like, okay, good. Now, review it again yourself as the author. Come back to me the second chapter, with the second draft. When I did that, Joe, do you be, can you believe me that those chapters all went down to five they went down to five because back then i didn't know that i had to structure out the story so as i was rereading the chapters i realized my other chapters though they were either repeating or the story did not make sense or even the character suddenly disappeared and spawned out of nowhere it's like the story just took its own reins and just went to a direction i didn't want it to go And it ended up making no sense. And I think that's what a lot of people don't realize, that we others can't keep up. We can't keep up with the story. So if you don't have somewhere the structure is written down, I myself can't even tell you what will happen in chapter one when I'm already in chapter 20. If I don't have it written down somewhere, I can't. Exactly. No, you are making my point perfectly. Exactly right. Whether you call it the skeleton file or the story outline file you need one of those to keep you on track so that yeah as you're putting things in your chapter which again chapters come later you want a good solid story outline Mm -hmm. to say this is how i plan on beginning this is what i plan to have in the middle this is what i plan to be my ending again that can change over time. And if you change direction, you go back to your story outline, create a new version, copy it, and then make changes. So keep old copies of how you had it in case you decide to go back, Mm -hmm. right? But then if you change it, you're keeping yourself on track. And like you said, you don't have to remember every word of every chapter. It's just not possible. You're just not going to do that. And then, like you said, 
to avoid duplications unless a duplication is needed. Now, I like to say, uh, like in terror strikes coming soon to a city near you, there are a couple key points that are indeed replicated at different parts of the book. Mm-hmm. But the thing to think here is you don't know 100% your audience. You don't know if they're an avid reader who's going to sit down and read it. They're, they're quick and can read your book in 10 hours. Or if they're someone who's going to read it over 10 days. Or if they're the kind of person who may take three months. Mm-hmm. So... By the time they're in check, you know, if they read it through, then they're obviously getting it all. So you don't want to repeat, 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 repeat. But you have to cover and plan for those people who read over an extended period of time. And that may be in Chapter 5 that relates to something also said in Chapter 1. Mm-hmm. You need to tie together. There may need to be some repetitiveness there. So you want to create those links without repeating too much. It's a delicate balance. Mm-hmm. And speaking of potential readers, for new authors, I know there's something that gives them pressure is the fact that do I have a big enough platform for my book or will my book reach a big enough audience in the future, or maybe we'll even get somebody who will enjoy my book. And I think that comes to the fact that books today, they evolve around five genres, although there are a lot of genres when it comes to writing. You'll find a lot of people either do poetry, some will do pure fiction, some will do a creative nonfiction, but you'll find very rarely that people are fusing two different genres. Like, let's say for you, Terror Strikes, you mentioned that it's a fact fiction like you call it. It's I call part it faction. Fact. Yeah. Yeah. It's faction. part fact, yeah. part fiction. For me, my yeah. book that's coming up, it's magical realism. So you're fusing in the magical world with actually the real life world. And you'll find that people find it hard to tackle new genres because they're like, oh, audiences today, they enjoy fairy tales. Audiences today, they enjoy pure fiction. Audiences today enjoy comics. And I think that's the problem with others coming in today. You try to tackle a genre that you're not quite familiar with, and you end up with a very shitty book, by the way. And you'll (laughs) find that the book that could have been great is a genre that you yourself can introduce, just like music. You can introduce a brand new genre, it doesn't have an audience, but I'm pretty sure you'll get two or three readers out of ten who will enjoy your book. And I think that's a fear. I think it's just yeah. a fear for others. Well, you, you, there is a market for anything. There, I mean, how many billions of people on the planet are there right now? Like eight billion? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there is an audience for basically almost anything. The question is, and important to know, in how to write a book and get it published, hints, tips, and techniques, I I make sure I go through that, unlike other books, because when I first thought about doing this, I went online, you know, and there's a million books, how to publish your book on Amazon. Well, that's not what people are asking for or about. I wrote a book trying not to be too big and too long so it wouldn't be too expensive. 
<laughs> <You're> right? <laughs> uh, from the creative concept to writing to publishing options, of course, I don't go into all of them. I just give you an idea of what you're looking for and you have to find your fit. Then once you're done publishing, you're not done because in order to sell the books, it's very few that people just accidentally stumble on and buy. You have to promote your book like the last episode, right? What mm-hmm. was I doing? Promoting terror strikes coming soon to a city near you. I, I, you, anyone else has to try to introduce their book and their concept and what's going on to people so that they are aware that it's there because there are so many new books that come out on a weekly basis. Uh, especially nowadays with self-publishing available, or as I like to say, there's self-publishing and then there's assisted publishing, I call it. I went with the higher-end assisted publishing. Illumify Media and Terror Strikes is on McHenry Press, which is a subsidiary because it's a political thriller. So they wanted a line that just dealt with, you know, uh, it's kind of separated from the other kind of books to keep politics out of their other line and make this one just for politics because they have another author also that writes political oriented books. So McHenry Press was created and McHenry, you should recognize the name, is for Fort McHenry, mm-hmm. off the coast of which uh, 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 Francis Scott Key wrote the Star Spangled Banner. So it's meant to be patriotic political kind of books. So, and I went with them. You can do cheaper. Uh, it, it all depends on you and what's good for you, what you're comfortable with, and, you know, what works for you. Uh, if you're willing to Put in more work, more time, uh, and less money. There's that route, self-publishing. If you've got, if you want more help making it look as professional as possible, like a Harper Collins book, uh, Illumify has former Harper Collins employees. So mm-hmm. they've been with the big publisher. So, and, and a lot of these publishing firms have somebody that's worked at another publisher, but for how long is the question? So again, everything all depends on your situation. I tried to prevent, present as many options as possible so that you determine what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And there is this thing that I've heard a lot of people commenting that the question actually is normally, what if I'm not a writer? Or what if I'm not a true writer? Because when you say that, when people say author or I'm a writer of books, people think of things like James Patterson or Stephen Fry, or even J.K. Rowling's household names that people know of. But yeah. for small authors, you're like, oh, you just wrote a story and then you published it. But people don't realize that once you begin writing, once you begin that first draft, once you begin your first sentence, from there on you're a writer. 
Yeah. It's, and it's remember, still coming from in you yeah. onto paper. And I say this, and before I forget, let me pass this along. The, uh, a link, tinyurl.com slash write and publish supplement. Mm-hmm. You can get some free stuff that isn't in the book on that page, on that article. It has the, you know, outline of the book, about the book, about the author. And then, of course, then, like I say, some additional free stuff you can see in advance of buying the book or after you buy the book, then, you know, additional information online. Uh, you know, so the article's meant to be a supplement to the book and at the same time kind of a promotion for the book, right? Because everything is to some degree is online today. Uh, and uh, so you you want to do those things. And then I've lost my train of thought now. Oh, because you were saying, oh, writing. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, uh, terror Strikes coming soon to a city near you. You mentioned a few names. There's a service that compares books. And I use that service, and they say that if you like Dean Koontz, the writing in Terror Strikes is like Dean Koontz. So mm-hmm. if you like Dean Koontz, supposedly you should like my writing. And the same thing, you know, you've read books. You're not stealing somebody's style, but mm-hmm. you generally then pay homage to a certain degree, you know somebody, you like their writing, you're invariably going to accidentally, if not on purpose, borrow their method of doing things, uh, uh, you know, sentence structure and that. And the other thing is also, uh, remember too, you want to have a book buddy or several, several people, like you said, to share it with share your outline and get input you don't have to take everybody's advice but just give input and they may have a good idea that you want to adopt in your book and then as you're writing it share chapters get their feedback see what they say maybe you want to maybe you don't want to then change things and then of course ultimately you're going to have an editor that's going to go through and help you with your book. So mm-hmm. you don't have to be the best writer on the planet. Like uh, how to write a book and get it published itself is conversational English. That is not how traditional English writing would title that book. But I did that on purpose to make this very point. You can write in conversational English. I mean, literally, laptops now, you can have a piece of software uh, with a headset that allow you to dictate right into your computer, Mm -hmm. and you can speak your book to life and then go through and clean it up some. And then, of course, Microsoft Word has its own spell check and grammar check. And you can also use Grammarly to Mm -hmm. also help with grammar. 
And then again, ultimately then your editor, you will go back and forth with to help perfect it, to make it more traditional written form English. Yeah, and when you talked about the softwares, I just remembered before it slips my mind, there was a website I stumbled upon during COVID, during the lockdown. I don't even remember what the website was. It was like God's grace that I stumbled upon it. But it generates ideas for you if you're stuck with anything. If you're stuck with a music piece, if you're stuck with books, if you're stuck with scripts, you just key in whatever keywords you want. Let's say you just say um, fantasy, Scotland, two lovers. And then it gives you a synopsis which you can work on. So it just gives you a random synopsis, even if it's one paragraph, and then you can work on that synopsis to build a story for your own. Because sometimes you don't have stories, by the way. You want to write, but your outline does not make sense. And sometimes you write and then you realize, oh my God, somebody else bit me to it. They've already published a similar story. Because I've had situations like that. The current book I'm writing, I, I have my first half done. And I know how my last half will end. But the middle part, I'm trying to figure out how to make it work. Because every single time I watch a movie, because it's a detective story, every single time I watch a movie, every single time I read a book, I realize somebody else has already done a similar piece. Now, that's to me, it's like something new. In yeah. my brain, I'm like, this is a brilliant idea. Nobody has thought of it. This would be the perfect crime in paper. And then when I write it down and then watch a movie, I'm like, oh, my God, somebody else thought of the same thing. Now, and, it, that's an important thing there. Now, you can copyright specific words. You can't copyright a concept. Mm-hmm. You can trademark words, right, but not a concept. Now, like you're saying, you can write something similar, but of course, you have to make sure you're not copying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't be identical. Now, like I like I mentioned in how to write a book and get it published, hints, tips, and techniques. The movie Stargate. All right, Roland mm-hmm. Emmerich, one of my favorite directors. He's got many blockbuster films. Now. They came up with that concept, Stargate, based on the concept of the old ancient aliens. You can see that on the History Channel, the Learning Channel, all that, those shows. That in the past, the pyramids were really landing pads for spacecraft. All right? Now, the idea and concept of wormhole travel is a generic theory You can use that theory. You can't use the same specifics that they use in that Stargate, though. And you can use the concept of, you know, pyramid ships or what, but you can't use the identical concept of pyramid ships landing on the pyramids in ancient Egypt. That would be potentially too close of of a similar concept. So you can deal with similarities. You just have to be careful to put in as much originality as you can. And you mentioned that concept uh, creator. There's a new thing everybody's been talking about lately. Elon Musk originally helped create a company called OpenAI. And they mm-hmm. have a thing called ChatGPT. 
and it's the same thing. People are using that to put in, tell me a story about this at that and the other thing, and it will, it's artificial intelligence that will spew something out. Like you said, then that can help you give you an idea, but you can't just cut and paste what it tells you into yours. You can use it as an idea generator, but you can't copy. <laughs> mm -hmm. You can use it as an inspiration, let's say it as such. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's the right word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when it comes to originality, I remember the first guest on this show, the, like the first ever guest I had on Care Life podcast two years ago, his name is, is, is called Chris Blay. He's from the UK, from Essex. And he has a book that right now ranks as one of my favorites. It's like a fusion between Stephen Fry and, uh, uh, Steve, I mean Stephen King and uh, J.K. Rowling's and every wonderful mystery fictional that you can find out there. And it's called A Necessary End, The Curse of Cutney. And that book was so original. The story was so new to me, and the concept was, and it's just a 300-page book, by the way. The concept was so new that I was like, this is something that others don't do, finding originality, finding a story that stand, stands out that your concept, each and every chapter, each and every line hasn't been heard. It hasn't been heard before. It seems familiar to some people. Yes, it has maybe happened to them in real life, maybe a situation, maybe a real life story. But when it comes to fictional writing, no, he liked he he hacked he literally hacked the system and found a brand new concept that nobody else has. It's like yours, a political thriller that's faction. I don't. I think it will take a couple of years before people hop on that train of writing <laughs> actual faction, <laughs> incorporating fact with fiction. Because we are merely embracing magical realism and you bringing up a new concept of action is, oh, I don't even know a way to explain it because it's so new <laughs> to people. It's so broad. But before we continue, I think there's something we should mention. And I don't know if you can comment on this. Experimentation. It's something that I've always wanted to do as an author, where we just join forces with different authors and then we come up with one book together. It's like a short story, but in one book. So each and every author comes with their own single short story, or maybe three, and then we can just compile it in a book that fits one specific genre. Let's say we can yeah. write children's stories, and then we have like five authors in one book. Yeah, write. well, I, I kind of say that in the book, uh, not a, the collaboration like you're talking about, which is great and there are authors, you can find books out there that have three names on it, and they're doing what you're doing. I kind of give that as a hint in the book. If you don't think you have a novel in you, well, three short stories that have any remote tie to one another can then be put together mm -hmm. as one book because one book generally has sub-threads and you know it, it it's not all exactly one thing or also you can write a novelette you mentioned the book 300 pages mm -hmm. terror strikes coming soon to a city near you is 
286, and the story itself is only 250. Now, and because I wanted to put, indeed, several sub-themes. I didn't want to harp on and dwell on one thing completely through the whole book, even though, obviously, terrorism is the theme that ties all those sub-themes together. Like, there is a very important sub-theme on suicide prevention in the book. Uh, So... You know, that ties with the war on terror and soldiers coming back with PTSD. So there's a lot of different things going on in that book, to, and the terrorism flows it all together. So, yeah, you can bring together three different characters from three different short stories and bring them together if you find a commonality that then allows you to tie them. Oh, and I wanted to say, uh, I mentioned the pages of my book. Another thing, too, was I could have very easily, there's stuff I left out. I could have written uh, additional chapters on cyber terrorism because I'm a former IT guy. I -hmm. didn't go into that. I could have gone more into, I could have written three chapters alone on mass shootings, right? Uh, But the times we're in, with inflation the way it is, I wanted to keep my page count down to keep the book cost down, right? Uh, I even joke in the book, because Martin is my character, who's a Detroit newspaper man who decides to write a book on terrorism. Mm-hmm. So it's a book within a book. We follow him on his journey to write a book on terrorism. And then all those other things are interwoven in there. So, and um kind of losing my train of thought here. <laughs> but, uh, I, so I wanted to keep, you know, they keep the page size down uh, so people could afford it. But all right, now, if you have a story, a novelette, a hundred pages can be just fine. All right. 300 mm-hmm. pages, 500 pages, whatever it takes to get the elements and tell the story well enough to get across the moral of the story, as they would say, right? The points of the story you want to, whether that's in a hundred pages, 250, or 750, although don't expect too many people to buy that big a book. Nobody Mm -hmm. reads war and peace size books anymore. We just don't have the attention span for it. (laughs) (laughs) And speaking of the size of the book, I think there's also one thing that people are trying hard to figure out. What kind of story am I going to write? Will it be a single book type of story? Will the story have a sequel? Like, I remember asking you in the previous episodes, are you thinking of having Terror Strikes 2, like the sequel to the first right. one? Or do people want to write trilogies or maybe a saga of some sort where you'll have like five, seven different books? I think that that also comes to a challenge because uh for me, the book that I'm mentioning, the crime book that I'm writing right now. It's a crime mystery book. And I really want it to be to be a trilogy. So I I had to plan out everything so perfectly 
from the pages that I wanted so that the book does not exceed its limitations because I wanted the story in the first book to carry on into the second book and the second book to carry on into the third book. It's like a continuation. Where has, if you read the third book, you have yeah. to go back to the first book and understand everything that's going it on. It has to be complete enough story so that people don't go away thinking, well, this person's just suckering me into buying the trilogy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? You've got to get a complete enough book that if indeed they only read that book, they're fulfilled and you haven't ripped them off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but at the same time enough of a hook to then hopefully interest them in additional books I mean when J.K. Rowling wrote Harry Potter I'm sure you know that first book it can be read and you walk away okay that was great but then when book two and book three come out, they're also an extension of Mm -hmm. the first book and the theme, but yet also, again, their own contained, complete enough story also. So, yeah, you can have the continuing thread, but each one needs to be succinct enough to fulfill a reader. And yeah, I did not, I I left it to where there could be a sequel to Terror mm-hmm. Strikes, but I have not planned for it to be a continuing series. Unlike, uh, 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 yeah, Tom Clancy, yeah, is it Clancy? Yeah, Tom Clancy. Who's Jack Jack Ryan? <laughs> Tom Clancy in the pretty much the Jack Ryan series. Each book is a self-contained book, but the series then has the same character across it, and then some additional aspects you may not have known about him from the previous one, or things that change in his life between mm-hmm. to keep. It, so that a series goes, because I, I indeed love Clancy. Uh, I prefer the movies to the books myself, but mm-hmm. uh, like Terror Strikes in part has been uh, uh, compared to some of all fears of, from Clancy, uh, because there's that uh, a point of nuclear threat. So, uh, you know, again, it, it, it all depends on you. And if you were hoping to go through a traditional publisher, mm-hmm. in order to have any chance of getting a traditional publisher, because they've got a full stable already of horses, so to speak, that they know our studs are going to sell them a bunch of books. So you as an unknown really got to knock their socks off. And the uh, pretty much only way to do that Mm -hmm. is indeed have a trilogy worked out. You're going to need to have your first two books done and then your third one outlined and send that all and hope somebody will take your chance, a chance on you. But 
Traditional publishing is not going to work for 99.999 ad infinitum percent of all budding authors. Because, mm-hmm. again, they've got proven horses in the barn. They're not, you know, they're, they're hoping to find the occasional odd, you know, the next Stephen King or the next Clancy, Patterson, Coons, J.K. Rowling. But they're not betting on that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think I should just throw into the pot for anybody who's listening right now. For anybody looking for inspirations when it comes to these big, big books like sequels or trilogies or maybe sagas, I think they should check out old household names that they there may be not be much pressure on. Let's say Conor, uh, Arthur Conan Doyle. He wrote all the, what's it called? The Sherlock Holmes book. He's the one who introduced crime today. He's the one who introduced investigations today. So for anybody who's writing maybe a murder mystery or maybe a crime book, you can check him out. See how he writes his stories because I find the writing process that that old man had very, very inspirational because you'll realize that his books, he has 60 books in total when it comes to the Sherlock Holmes saga. And you'll find that you'll read book one. The next time you'll find a relation in book one is maybe in book 20. That's when they'll mention the story in book one again. And then you're in story number 60, and then you realize story number five has been referenced in story number one. And that mix match of reference and also the subtleness of relation when it comes to the books, I find it so captivating because it's not obvious it's not obvious most sagas today or most trilogies you'll find out that book one where it ended is where it picked up and then they are bringing so much flashback that now the second book is not interesting and then the third book is supposed to close up everything but now they are bringing you back again to the first story not introducing a new one with a relation to the first one no they're bringing you back to where you began and now you have Three books, one was the only one interesting, two and three were very much unnecessary. <laughs> and that's where I go back to, yeah, the ripoff, right? Each book has to be interesting enough on its own. And also think Ian Fleming, when he dreamt up James Bond, he never dreamt that there would be so many books and then obviously spawn this great movie franchise that has been going. He sat down with an intent to write a good, interesting book, and it blew up, and he was able to make a career (laughs) out of it. But remember, all of those names you and I have mentioned were all unknown at some point. So when I say a a traditional publishing house is probably not going to pay any attention to you, do not. Let that intimidate you or scare you away. And I try to make that point in how to write a book and get it published, hints, tips, and techniques. Go for it. That's why I wrote my book, to help you go for it. Go for it. Self-publish. Once you get that first book out, then whether it's a trilogy or not, you could then be writing a completely other book in a completely different genre. But mm-hmm. once you've established one book, then you have a better chance 
of getting the attention of the publisher. Yeah, and uh, when it comes to the publisher, you have mentioned now self-publishing. This is a new concept to most. You'll find some people are wondering, oh, my God, how do I get my book on Amazon? Or how do I get my own ebook? And uh, you realize that a lot of people know when it comes to publishing, I have to find an editor, I have to find an agent, I have to find a publishing house. The concept of actual self-publishing is still new, even in this year, even in 2023. A lot of people discovered it between 2020 and 2022 because that's when e-books were popping up. I realized Amazon had a lot of books popping up during the the COVID period. And right now, people are now... People are now learning. People are now learning slowly by slowly how to self-publish. And they're not spending a dime, by the way. You're earning money, but you hadn't spent a dime getting that book out there. You're spending money, let's say, marketing it, but you reduce your cost when it comes to the publishing part. Well, it, it all depends. Again, now, if you're looking for no cost, you can go through like ebook launch. But no cost means a whole lot of added concern on you. You have to have it all perfect. You have to buy the software to to do all the things and get it in the right form. Uh, they help you, but you do it all, as opposed to a self-publishing, which helps you some. And yeah, you're going to pay for an editor. There's no ifs, no ands, no buts. You've got to have an outside professional editor uh, uh, to, to help if you want a serious book. So there's going to be some costs of some kind. It depends on the route you go as to how much those costs are, as opposed to like assisted publishing who then, you know, is, of course, then a greater cost, but then a lot less pressure on you because you're paying them to do things for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, so in the point of self-publishing, I think that Barnes & Noble has a press of their own where people can do the same thing that you do on KDP. I found that out like a couple of weeks ago but it's only limited to those in the united states so anybody else outside <laughs> cannot access the press of barnes and noble and then you'll find that it's only local so you realize that your book is in your local barnes and noble you'll yeah, have yeah. it let's say in your los angeles county that's where if there's a barnes and noble that's where the book will be available but when you're in kentucky you won't find it you'll have to fly out Go to L.A., get the book, <laughs> go back to Kentucky, by the way. But well, now, yeah, that's the, uh, the, like, why I went with Illumify and McHenry. Uh, they get your book onto Ingram Sparks. Ingram Sparks is kind of the biggest actual printer in the world of books. So, and they then get your book. You get an ISBN to make sure any bookstore anywhere on the planet can get your book. And yeah, Barnes & Noble also has the Nook 
which is their version of Kindle. Apple Books has that. Apple Books, their version of Kindle. So now you could put on Amazon, but that's a proprietary form. To get on Nook or Apple, there's a thing in the book, and I'm not going to give away the name because obviously I want you to buy the book to get all the hints, tips, and techniques, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, But in my book, I tell you how that once you have a book in EPUB form to go up onto Kindle, converted to Kindle, you can then submit that somewhere else that then automatically for free gets your book onto Nook and Apple Books. So you don't have to do all those things. There are, you know, I went through this learning curve so you don't have to. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, I think we should actually put in the process of finding a publisher. Because you mentioned you're already published. It's not just self-publishing on Amazon. You actually have your book, Terror Strikes, published. So how do people get to the point where you find a publisher? Or what are the ways that you can go to? Do you email people? Or are you making phone calls? Because... I myself don't even know that. I don't even know where I can find a publisher right now. Well, obviously, uh, in the days of the Internet, you can Google publishing. And, of course, you'll get a bazillion different results. Mm -hmm. And my book is meant to give you a leg up in the direction of your options But at the end of the day, you will then, of course, want to, uh, well, you may or may not. I mean, you may want to just go ahead and say, okay, I gave you that advice in there. I've published with these people. Obviously, I trust them. You've got the book in your hand from that place. You may just want to go with them. Or, again, you can then do more research and find somebody else you feel is a better fit for whatever the reason. Maybe looking for a lower cost or or whatnot. Because, again, I went with what I call assisted publishing because I wanted those former HarperCollins professionals to, you know, give me advice like I'm giving you advice. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, they've been in the publishing industry for 20 plus years. <laughs> and what advice can you give them in terms of how to make a profit when it comes to your book? Because you'll find a lot of authors, even if they're getting published, they end up getting ripped off in the end. And you realize they're getting small percentages with these publishing houses. And uh, sometimes when you're self-publishing, you end up having... Very low-cost books that uh, you realize, oh, my God, I'm not making a profit in this book. So how do you make a profit with your writing? Well, you you can never tell. I mean, you, it, you can talk to people, and people could say they love the concept, but whether it sells at the end of the day or not is always going to be a gamble. I mean, there is no sure thing. Harry Potter was not a sure thing. It went viral. Hope We all hope 
that our concept goes viral, but you just don't know. There is a market for anything and everything. You have to promote to sell and then indeed hope, you know, as it's like the old Pantene commercial. If you remember that, the hair care company, mm-hmm. they tell two friends and they tell two friends, you know, pretty soon exponentially you're talking millions of people buzzing about a product. Well, you need that for your book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in order to really actually make money. And you don't know. You can't know with any certainty in advance. But again, please, please don't let that scare you or make you shy away. If this is something you want to do, uh, you know, publish a book uh, knowing it may or may not sell. You know, don't let people tell you, oh, well, this is going to definitely sell 10,000, 100,000 books. Mm-hmm. No one, no one knows with any certainty if something will sell or not at the end of the day. Do it because you've got a story to share. And hopefully then it gets shared to a few people who then also love it who share it with other people like the Pantene commercial, and over time, it grows. And Joe, as we come to a close on this specific episode, what advice would you give any upcoming author or somebody who wants to get their book published? What advice would you give them on how to start or how to get to the end where they have a physical book that they can present to people? Uh, again, everybody's process is going to be different. So, obviously, I got to say, <laughs> buy my book <laughs> to, help, to help you write and publish and promote your book. Because uh, this book came out of interviews. In fact, that's a tip and technique in the book. Someone, anyone who has a podcast like you has an easy book. Mm-hmm. You can take your favorite episodes, have them transcribed, and those are chapters. Then you just clean them up. You add things that, you know, weren't said in those episodes that you think kind of needed to be said as a follow-up, and you've got a book. So, uh Now, I've lost my train of thought again when Mm -hmm. I went down that road. But, uh, yeah, this book came out of interviews with other people. The the impetus and inspiration came from that. And anyone's inspiration uh, might come from anything. My stories generally come to me in a dream. I don't know where, you know, inspiration come come from anywhere, anytime. Have a pad of paper or use your smartphone and dictate yourself an email. Whenever an inspiration hits you, get it down in some way, shape, or form while it's fresh. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and like I keep saying, if if you're inspired and you think this story is important to share, others are likely to think so. Uh, 
though you don't know if they'll sell a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand, a hundred thousand books, uh, go for it. Definitely go for it for your own personal well-being, your own personal sense of accomplishment, if nothing else. Mm-hmm. So basically just have faith in yourself, write, push it out there, and let your story tell the world what you're thinking. <laughs> <laughs> now, and yeah. some people might have nonfiction. Uh, uh, you, you might have some sort of story to tell, even if you change names, that might help another person, like with illness or uh, depression. Right, like we mentioned, Terror Strikes has a suicide prevention sub-thread to try to help others who are feeling issues and concerns about self-harm, suicidal thoughts. If you've got something to share, you can put it in fiction or you can put it in non-fiction or in my case, faction combining the two uh, and hope uh, that others will appreciate your work, but if nothing else, again, you've got that personal sense of accomplishment. Yeah, so I don't think there's anything we can add here that won't stretch this episode so long, but I think the key things have been said, and the majority that haven't been said have been covered in your book. So the best the best route that anybody listening or anybody out there can take is just to grab a copy of How to Write a Book and Get Published by Joseph M. Leonard. Links will be in the description. You can read the book. If you have any questions, you can just hit him up on Facebook or even Twitter or even Instagram or maybe even an email. Who knows? <laughs> you can just shoot your questions to him. I'm pretty sure he'll be willing to answer any yeah. questions you might have or give an advice maybe, or even help you out in your creative process if you're stuck, because we yeah. all need help in one way or another, right? Well, and I, I, again, like with Terror Strikes, I tried to keep the size down to keep the cost down. How to write a book and get it published, hints, tips, and techniques. I wanted to cover as much as I could, but at the same time, obviously not balloon the size of that book to something either. I wanted to create a one-stop book as opposed to you could buy a book on writing, you could buy a book on publishing, you could buy a book on promotion. I wanted one book to cover it all at a reasonable price. You can get the ebook for five bucks. You can get the physical book on Amazon for just ten bucks rather than spending five bucks on five different books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a <laughs> you know, great thing. For a total of 25, right? So, again, I wanted to keep that cost down. $10 is pretty cheap for the, the amount of advice that I've pa- tried to pack in this book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, everybody listening, you can find the links in the description once again for both books, for how to write your book, and also for the novel itself, Terror Strikes. Read, 
You can comment on social media. You can leave your review on whichever you love best. You can tell Joe which parts inspired you the most when it comes to both books. And also you can check out my poetry collection, Life Shackles, also on Amazon. Links will be in the description down below. You can also follow all our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, literally anywhere. <laughs> we both are. You can follow us there. You yeah. can check out his podcast, which he co-hosts. It's also on YouTube. I'll link it all in the description down below. But Joe, we thank you so much for being part of the Caroline family and sharing your thoughts on how to write a book and get it published. Oh, thank you again for having me. And also let me throw out one more time. Mm -hmm. Even if you're not interested in writing and publishing, if you're an avid reader or you know an avid reader, if you know, I, I'm hoping you'll buy a copy of Terror Strikes to give them as a gift, obviously. But maybe that's not their thing. You don't think that's their thing. Mm -hmm. Even if they're not looking to write, how to write a book and get it published gives them behind the scenes a bit of insight that a lot of things they never thought went into the books they read. Yeah, and uh, as we come to a close, before we end, everybody, you can join me and Joe on the second podcast on March, all the Fridays of March. Those are four episodes, four different episodes on March, where we'll be talking about different interesting things in a different world, not necessarily about writing. We'll be talking about UFOs, his experiences with paranormal activity, and we'll also be having a lot of guests there. But for Care Alive, I think... This month, and maybe next month, this will be the last time you're seeing John Carroll live. Maybe in the coming months, you'll see him back here again with a different story to tell or maybe a different book by then. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but for now, this will be it from the both of us. I've been your host, Phyllis McKenzie. My guest today has been Joseph M. Leonard. Not Joseph Leonard. Joseph M. Leonard. Yes, thank you. <laughs> right. There's another Joseph Leonard. So, yeah. You got to remember Joseph M. Leonard. And yeah, it's Leonard. It's not Leonard. It looks like Leonard, but it's not French. <laughs> it's Leonard, but without an O. <laughs> yeah, you know, actually, your name, your last name reminds me of a show. I don't know if you've watched it. It's called Green Mill, where we have a character whose name is John Coffey. And he normally says that my name is John Coffey. Yes, coffee like the drink, but spelled different. <laughs> it's a very nice show, by the way. Whoever wants to watch it, it's it's sad, sad, but <laughs> it's a very nice show inspired by the book by Stephen King once again. We'll be talking about Stephen King in this episode a lot. <laughs> so anybody who wants to check out that show, you can check it out so that you never forget Leonard's name. Once you hear the name coffee, you'll also remember Leonard. Because remember those here, man on Care Life Podcast who once said that his name is Leonard Looks like Leonard, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pronounced as Leonard. Jo Joseph, not Joe, like cup of Joe. Joseph. Nah, like yeah. Joseph. <laughs> like Joe for Joseph. Speaking of coffee, not like a cup of Joe, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for listening. Join us next episode where we'll be interviewing you author books are being turned into a VR game. I know that would be a very interesting topic to talk about, but for now, this will be goodbye for me and Joe. Love you all. <laughs>